Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest tonight, C.J. Box, has worked as a ranch hand, surveyor, fishing guide, small-town newspaper reporter and editor, owned an international tourism marketing firm with his wife, Lori. He's an avid outdoorsman and a legendary fisherman. Oh, yeah, and he also writes New York Times best-selling novels, 27 of them, as a, as a matter of fact. He's won the Edgar, the Anthony, the McCavity, the Gumshoe, the Barry Award, plus many more. His novels Open Season, Blue Heaven, Nowhere to Run, and The Highway have been optioned for film and television. His books have sold over 7 million copies worldwide in multiple languages. And his next soon-to-be bestseller, The Bitterroots, comes out next Tuesday. Welcome, C.J. Box. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And as I was talking to uh, Chuck beforehand, I mean, that's that's his uh, that's the edited version of his bio. But so uh, The Bitter Roots, which, of course, I read and loved, comes out, like we said, Tuesday. And this one, I think, is the fourth book featuring Cassie Duell as protagonist. Can you give uh, the listeners a little background on Cassie and what she's up against in The Bitter Roots? Sure. Um, Cassie Duell, uh, in, the, in the previous books, was um, a cop who worked for – First, um, the Helena, Montana Sheriff's Department, and then um, a fictional place called Bakken County, North Dakota. She was its uh, lead investigator. She's a single mom. Um, her, her husband uh, died in Afghanistan, and she's got a son, um, now 14. And just in this book, she opens up um, a private investigative firm in Montana. And um, one of her first an obligation job she has is uh, with a local defense attorney and she's she's asked to go um, just basically make sure that all of the accusations against the attorney's client um, are in fact correct and Cassie's very loath to do that because she doesn't she really doesn't want to work for the defense she's, she's been right. off all her life that's what I really liked about it is that it wasn't like she just flipped a switch. I'm working for the cops first, and now I'm working for the defense. Um, I like that that she, there was a, a little tug for her. And uh, like in all your books, and I read them all, family dynamics are playing a very important role, and they certainly do in this book. There's a couple of interesting families. For for one thing, as you mentioned, Cassie, she's a single mom, plus also has to uh, deal with her mother, who has her own ideas about how to raise her uh, Cassie's child. And then there's of course the uh, a great name, a former, I think, uh, Viking tight end, the uh, Kleinsaucer family, if I'm pronouncing it right, that she goes up against in the Bitterroot. So why are uh, why is family so important to you in your fiction? Wow. Um, I think it's because it's important to me in real life. And right. I think that it also um, – I think it makes the books more interesting. Um, you know, and I think uh, – and more empathetic for the reader – and it certainly does for me as a writer, but I know that you know that I've never been, I've never been comfortable reading books where uh, the uh, the protagonist is just totally unencumbered. Um, mm-hmm. It just it never seems real to me, even though it might be well done or well written. Um, without that, you know, tug and pull of a family and obligation and sometimes you know guilty feeling that they're doing you know you're off doing a job when you should be at home. And, um, in Cassie's case, leaving her son with her mother um, 
two of them don't get along. Her mother is kind of like one of the original hippie types, and, yeah. and her son doesn't want to eat any of that bad food that her grandmother is trying to force on him. So she's in the middle of that, and then but then, like you said, thrusts herself into a, probably the most dysfunctional ranch family in all of Montana. Right. Plus, they have the the, the interesting thing is that they have uh, all the advantages. You know, they're wealthy, and uh, they're powerful. So you would think that um, life wouldn't be so hard for um, all the siblings, but uh, they make it hard upon themselves. But we don't want to give away any uh, spoilers, but really well done, really interesting. So as you said, Cassie used to be a police investigator, and despite cutthroat office politics, she did always have the authority of the badge when she was a cop. And so my question is, was the choice to isolate her as a P.I. just about the circumstances from a previous book, which um, many of us have read, or was it more a conscious decision to strip her of her authority and push her out into a new world? Kind of a, a good question. A little of both. Um, but, you know, I've always wanted to write a P.I. novel. Um, hmm. And I, I this finally gave me the opportunity. But I, I also... Um, I wanted to isolate her um, even more than she had been by making her, you know, travel to this county that's uh, kind of a backwards, weird county in Montana. And Very weird. Basically, yeah, she's just relying on her, on her wits and her, uh, you know, private detective uh, number, which means nothing to anybody. And she goes up against some local cops and realizes what it's like to be on the other side of that. Right, and cops who uh, kind of have their feet in a certain camp. Um, yep. So, as from the uh, from the from the beginning, I said you've written, and my my math is right, twenty seven books, and uh, which is you're not well, you're actually around my age, but you don't look as old as me, so that kind of bothers me. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, but you know, it's a good clean living, is what it is. Oh well. I do that now too, but it doesn't seem to work. Um, so, and I think I asked you this before when I was moderating uh, the panel at uh, Left Coast Crime, but I'm going to ask again. Uh, was there a book, you've written 27 now, was there a book when you finished it early in your career where you thought, hey, I got this figured out? Or was it always that way for you in writing? No, it was not always that way, but I do remember, it's so weird that you brought that up because. My wife has always been my first reader um, ever since the beginning, and um, recently she decided to reread the book. Um, oh boy! Because usually, when she reads them; they're in a you know, a, uh, you know, still unfinished form, and she right. makes edits and makes suggestions. But she actually wanted to read them straight through, and she just finished reading the third book called Winter Kill. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I finished that one; it's the first time. I remember. I remember even saying I, I felt more like a writer um, than a guy trying to write, hmm. and that was the one where I think I, I things started to come together. Why do you think uh, you felt more like a writer than the guy trying to figure it out? Well, because it, 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 I finally think things finally started to click in regard to um, not just uh, you know plot and narration, but also I, I was starting to understand what. You know what things should happen by how many pages. Um, mm-hmm. I also realized, you know, I mean, they, they, I'd already gotten a, um, an offer for additional books that um, I was going to be doing this for a while. That not everything was going to be on spec like it was at first. Right. 
you know, and you know, with firm deadlines and you know, a new book. I think two or three book contracts out out beyond that. I knew that you know I was in this for the long haul. So I'm guessing that was your that was your first multiple book contract. So I'm guessing at the time you were still working the day job. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I did that for um, the first, uh, gee, 12, 13 years. Wow. 12, 13 books. Was that the um, agency you and your wife had? Was that where you were doing the majority of um, while you were working uh, a day yeah. job? Right? We had a, an international tourism marketing firm. We we had, had contracts with five states to do their wow. international tourism marketing in Europe and um Australia, Scandinavia, and we had offices overseas. So I was not only trying to write a book, I was also flying around the world constantly. And um, plus, you know, raising a family of three girls. Yeah. So, you know, that is it's one of those things that, um, you know, there's always things that people say that, that uh, can annoy you. And one thing that particularly still annoys me is when I meet somebody and they say something like, you know, I could write a book if I just had the time. <laughs> Well, I annoyed myself for about 30 years telling myself I never had the time, and then I, I figured out you're never going to have the time. Um, so how is your 12 books, traveling the world, raising three kids, how is your writing, um, not necessarily process, but um, time of or uh, hours in the seat or a specific time in the seat changed since then? It, it, it really, I, like for a while there, when I was traveling and, and write, I mean, I remember writing working on Joe Pickett in hotel rooms in, you know, Amsterdam and stuff, and again, Berlin. But um, now it's, it's a, it's a much, very much more welcome routine in that we have a, we live on a little ranch, and we uh, my office is above the barn. So I walk out there every morning and, um, you know, edit what I did the day before. Uh, don't quit till I've got a minimum of 1,000 words, but usually it's more like 1,500 Sometimes yeah. up to three thousand, and when I'm when I've got those down, then I'm done, and it's a pretty pleasant lifestyle. And then in the summer, like now, um, I try to go fishing. That's right. So that's my that's my reward for the day. And then so, I just keep plugging away at it till the book's done. Well, uh, this year you had two books come out, and so that means last year you wrote two. How does that pro, how does that times you, you said you try to do a certain amount of words a day? Is it more words a day? Is it more words a day when you're doing two books? No, what what I've had to do I'm for years have have basically done a book and a half a year. Right. And okay. What I usually do is write about half of the uh, the I still refer to them as standalones, um, the Cassie Dual book, even uh-huh. though uh, just not the non Joe Pickett book I should say. I write about half of it and then I just physically set it aside and write the entire Joe Pickett book and then go back to it. Wow. When that's over. And strangely enough, I think it's really helped improve a couple of the books because with that much time away, um, I'll get new ideas or think of new hooks or and that I might not have thought of if I was going straight through. That's interesting, too, about the new hooks because, as per my recollection, you're pretty sp- hardcore outliner right i am yep and 
Uh, not that it's required anymore. You know, there used to be. A, I used to have an editor who liked to, you know, wanted to look at it. Now it's just basically, um, you know, we have a conversation. I say, I think I want to write about long-range shooting, and they said, okay, and that's it. Yeah. But I, I do an outline for myself, um, pretty sometimes really extensive outline. And it doesn't mean I always stick to it or I don't change it up, but at least I sort of know where it's going. Yeah, so with the, like a Cassie book, when you've written the first half and then you have to write your Joe book, so then you say things can change over that, you know, however six months or so, however that is. So does that, that will ultimately change the outline, right? It's kind of right. organic. Right, yeah, because I, w I won't say which way it went, um, but when I started the Cassie book, um, I was pretty sure how it was going to end, and uh, it didn't um, when I started thinking about it. Cool. So I think you wrote seven Joe Pickett books before you wrote a standalone and your first standalone, if I'm correct, which I read, of course. But if I'm correct about the timing, Blue Heaven, which won the Edgar. Um, so why did you think you'd written seven Joe books? Why? Why was it? Did you think at that point it was time to write a standalone? Obviously, a good choice. But how did that come about? Oh, you know, it, it all has to do with the story, and in in my case, you know, the the where the where it takes place is always really important to me. Um, you know, every every single standalone or non Joe Pickett book has not been set in in Wyoming. Um, you know, all the right. Joe Pickett obviously is a Wyoming game warden, but all the other ones have been in surrounding states. And in the case of Blue Heaven, um, it had to be set in Idaho. Because um, the you know the the plot of the book is um, a bunch of ex LAPD retire to North Idaho and yeah. um, some of them are very very bad and that that was actually based on a real thing. There were at the time I wrote that book there they figured over a thousand ex LAPD up in um, North Idaho around Sandpoint and about yeah. six hundred ex LA firemen. So it was very specific to that spot, and it couldn't be a Joe Pickett novel. Right, and it's probably even more up there now. Now it's gotten real expensive. At the time, <laughs> um, back then, they could, uh, the, you know, the cops could sell their home for, you know, in L.A. for a million bucks and go up there and buy a little ranch for that. It's, but it's, it's gotten much more popular. My brother-in-law was a cop in L.A. Uh, LAPD for 33 years, and he immediately, when he retired, he and the family moved to Utah. Sold the house, moved to Utah, and I I, uh, I do know those those LAPD pensions well deserved, but are pretty darn good. Yes, yeah, these guys were living very well. So, obviously, the right time to write the first standalone. How, when you're writing a you're writing Joe, um, and then when do you decide? Well, it's time to write Cassie. Well, now it wouldn't originally, but now it is uh, part of an additional book contract with a different. Well, and right. so it's every every other year. Um, the Cassie books uh, are with St. Martin's Minotaur, and the Joe Pickett books are with Putnam. So it's a very unusual arrangement, and I honestly, maybe you do, but I don't know of any other author who's doing that regular. you know, has two different publishers at the same time. I don't, but I, I imagine one wishes they were the only one. Well, it does breed some competition, which is good for me. <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with a little competition mm -hmm. when it comes to advances. Uh, right. 
So you've you've written twenty seven books. I've said about three times. Uh, you sold over. Now the last time that I, when, as I said, I was moderating. Um, we did a panel and at uh, Vancouver Left Coast Crime, which is great, and you were one of the special guests. But I think I had some old information. You'd sold four million books. Now it's over seven million books. Um, so obviously that's beating around my question is what were your career goals when you started writing? Oh, well, I certainly wasn't, you know, my goals just keep changing. Um, originally, the, you know, at the first book, I just, uh, I just wanted it to be well received within Wyoming and the mountain West and be, you know, and be considered authentic to the, to the place and the culture and the people. And I, I thought if I could achieve that and they didn't hoot at it, I'd be really happy. Um, and but it, you know, the goal keeps moving now. Um, now that you know, like the first time I was ever on the New York Times list, I thought you know I've, I've made it. And then then I got uh, my first number one, and now it's you know it's either number one or number two. And if it's number one, how many weeks is it going to be on the list? So it just keeps changing. And I, I don't have a fixed goal um, at all. But I'm pleased the fact that each book outsells the last and it's been like that for years now luckily yeah it seems to be working okay so you said initially you just want to be accepted in your area do were you because i as i i wrote also for your uh the, the uh bio, not the bio but the introduction to you and the program for left coast crime and i and i came to you late because i didn't want to read about um a game warden with the family because i wanted to read you know more of the lone wolf detective stuff and then finally i picked up a book and then of course i read everyone as soon as they come out since um thank you well yeah but that's you know um i was a dummy for a while but um did was there a period during that time during those early books where you were just sort of a geographical author you were um you know wyoming uh, north dakota south dakota uh montana or did you get pretty much reached on the first book well, National I think reach. there's no doubt that um, when it comes to you know percentages, that probably um, still you know my books are read by more people in this region by percentage than probably you know probably anywhere else. But the right. numbers aren't high. We don't have that many people out here. And yeah. Luckily, with the very first one, um, it got some it got some surprising national attention that no one expected. You know, least of all my editor and me, and that it became. It was named a New York Times Notable Book, which was a shock. And got all-starred reviews, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I remember, in fact, I remember my, my editor called me. We had a huge blizzard going on in Wyoming, and I was out trying with a tractor trying to plow a you know, drift down. And she called, and she goes, you got a star in um, Publishers Weekly. And I said, you mean just one out of five? I don't know how it works. That's great. Really? Maybe I better stay on the uh, plow. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so yeah, it did get some national attention, and I think part of that is too that um, I know I like to do. I think a lot of readers like to read about places they think are exotic, even if they don't live there or they're not from there. And I think I've got a lot of readers who um, are really interested in the in the place, even if they don't come from here. Absolutely, and the place is so well described. Um, but you sort of, you sort of broke the mold to a degree too, because as you mentioned in the beginning, you want to read about 
not that you want to read about write about well-rounded people more or less with families and as I you know my prejudice were another way so but I think the important thing is is that you wrote what you wanted to write and you did it well and eventually you're going to be found well I think you know that's that's kind of the, that's advice I give to um, aspiring writers is um, you know, I, and it wasn't until later. I think it was almost helpful not knowing any published authors growing up um, and having no idea how the business worked, how publishing worked, what was expected of a mystery novel. Um, you know, all these things I found out later that I, I should have known. But I think in, in the end it kind of helped because I was just doing my own thing. And it did come across as a little different and a little, I think, fresh. Um because it didn't fit right into the mold, you know. It wasn't the, like you say the lone, the lone wolf um, lawman with a you know troubled past who does takes on things. It was kind of a family man who makes a lot of mistakes and screws up, and um, you know it was a different kind of different kind of thing. I think. I think I think one of the benefits too, though, is that there's. It's not just Joe. His family's on the line too, and in and, and more ways than one, in, in many books. But he does have a lot. He is gambling with a lot when he's out there alone on the range, so to speak. Right. Um, you know, the, the 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 book I just finished, as I mean, two days ago, hmm. uh, Matt. It's, it's a next Joe Pickett book, the twentieth one, cool. um, called Long Range. Is, oh, perfect. It's the first book I've ever written where all the girls have left. It's the empty nest. Oh, wow. Um, it was a kind of a strange book to read, but Joe Pickett's also really affected by it, that um, it's just so different right now. And that so must it, you know, the, the books have happened in real time, so it was time for that to happen. Is that something you just went through in your own personal life? All your, have all your daughters flown the coop? They have, but it was much, uh, was quite a few years ago. Right. You know, so we have I, a lot of... No recall. I'll bet. I'll bet. Um, we have a lot of listeners uh, who are writers in various stages of their writing careers, and they really learn a lot and enjoy hearing stories of how successful writers um, got their first book published. And I know you've told the story a few times, but it is really regarding your agent, which I mean, it's really it's an interesting and fun story. If you don't mind just giving a quick run of that one. Sure. I mean, you know, like I, I mentioned, I knew nothing about publishing or the publishing world, and I was told that it was important to have a, uh, an agent based in New York, a New York agent, and that is true, by the way, but um, I didn't know how to go about getting one or finding one or knowing anything about them. I finally got a name from, um, I think it was a Wyoming Arts Council. Some agent had contacted them and said, if you've got some regional guys around there, you know, who might, I'd be interested in looking at their stuff. So this was pre-internet, pre-everything. No email, a long time ago. And I tried to physically print out the book, send it to him, oh, yeah. and then wait. And, um, and he did uh, agree to represent me. And um, for the next three, four years, four years, nothing happened. Um, and four years. Him, yeah, four years. I'd call him in a very brusque New York way, would tell me to basically quit bothering him if anything was happening. He'd let me know. It was a hard book to sell. It didn't fit into any category. Um, and then I kind of just, then I, I, so I could quit calling him. 
and another year went by, and um, I went to a book conference in Denver where you could pitch your idea to agents and editors, and uh, there was an agent there, and I, I told him what the book I'd written and that it was done, and um, he asked me if I had an agent, and I told him the, the guy's name, and he just looked at me and said, you don't know he's dead, do you? <laughs> and he'd been, he'd been dead for six months. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate to laugh, but it is a funny story. I know, but the, the, the weird thing was that story got around that conference like wildfire. They, you know, the dumb guy from Wyoming was a dead agent. And uh, a, a published, uh, uh, you know, an editor, 24 year old, she was 24 years old at the time, from oh, Wyoming, wow. was at that, heard the story, kind of was intrigued with the idea of it, and then she contacted me. Did that book end up becoming open season, number yes, one? it was open season. I called it Joe Pickett at the time but because um, I wouldn't think I was writing a series. But, yep, that was the book. Did Obviously, they bought the book. It did well. Did they say, when's the next Joe book coming out? And then you realize well, you're writing the initial, a series. Actually, the initial contract offer was for three books with oh. Joe Pickett. Cool. You know, and, and I I remember my wife was out, of course out of town traveling, and my wife said, you know, can, can you write two more with Joe Pickett? And I said, sure. You know, I had no idea what the, how that would work. <laughs> well, it worked out okay. I know we're winding down on time, but I, I was just today I was thinking, um, I mean, Joe Pickett. I don't know if there could be a better name for Joe Pickett. Uh, it fits him perfectly. This guy out on the range, and then I started thinking, Cassie Duell. And Cody uh, Hoyt. These are great names. And to me, names are important. How important are they to you? They're very important. And, and um, you know, I do have some regrets. Sometimes I name um, – I remember a, Joe, a very important character in the Joe Pickett novels, Nate Romanowski, his sure. you know, outlaw falconer buddy who carries the largest handgun in the world. That's right. Um, I named him Romanowski after Bill Romanowski because I was a Denver Broncos fan. And then, then Bill Romanowski kind of got in all sorts of steroid problems and all that. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish I could take that one back now, but it was too late. That's funny. I didn't know that it was over Bill Romanowski. I think he ended up his career with the 49ers, didn't he? I believe so. So that makes me think about the Klein Saucers and the for, tight end or fullback at Minnesota. Is that where you got the name, the Vikings? You know what? I, I, I'm, I could have. But, cause, but at the time I, I, I took the name, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about the football player. I was more thinking about uh, just kind of a, a very arch and severe Germanic name because that's right. where this family comes from. And that, that was basically it. There's definitely some severity to this family. Okay, I'll give you uh, one Hollywood question. Uh, by my uh, count and research, you have had at least four books optioned by Hollywood, maybe more now. How has that been like? That been well, fun? Obviously, there's been nothing on the screen or on television yet, but um, the entire Joe Pickett series um, is being developed by Paramount Television right now. Oh, wow. How perfect. Um, it's taken a long time, but uh, and they're in the process right now of um, you know trying to find a, a uh, network or a streaming service for it. But apparently the uh, you know the pilot's written. They've got showrunners on board. The studio's behind it, and so now we're just waiting to hear where it might land. Well, the network does the Kevin Cosner. Um, what's this one called? Yellowstone. Paramount. 
Yellowstone, yeah. Um, okay, so do you have an idea for a lead for Joe? In your mind, is there a lead for Joe, no matter what they come up with? You know, there is not. Um, I've never thought of Joe Pickett as an actor. I think of him as a couple, kind of a couple of game wardens I've met. Um, there have been some actors who, you know, shown interest and heard about this project who want to be Joe Pickett, and I just kind of cringe and um, look the other way. But we'll just see. I don't know what they're going to come up with. Well, one of them might be Tom Cruise, but it'd be no. gross. That's not one of them. But uh, what the producers have told me, which I really like the idea of, um, a couple of them were involved with one of my favorite shows, Friday Night Lights. And Mm. at the time they cast that show, all of those people were unknown. Um, They're all, Mm. almost every one of them is well-known actor now. But at the time they cast to match the the part as opposed to uh, bringing in star power. And I I like that idea if, if, in fact, that happened. I do too. Uh, Peter Berg was behind that, right? I mean, he's a talented right. guy. Yeah, it'd be good right. to get a double. Um, Doug Wick was involved, and he's he's the executive producer on the show Pickett. My last talk, thought about Hollywood is something that I heard John Lasquois say at uh, I think it was BoucherCon San Francisco. I don't know how many years ago, and he said, "You know how um, Hollywood says f you to a writer? They buy your book." Mm-hmm. That's right. I would like to be FU'd, but it hasn't happened yet. All right, well, so... And, it, uh, and it's, a, it's not a bad gig where they just keep sending you checks and not making anything awful. Right. You know? Reminds me of my old job. They keep sending me checks, but I wasn't doing much. Um, <laughs> so you're about, uh, uh, you're about to go out on tour, and uh, 27 books ago, you probably didn't even know what that was. Do you enjoy that part of... of, and, and, of um, business or has it become a bit of a grind well the travel is certainly a grind i like the events um i always get charged up um at at the actual events themselves because i get to meet readers and it's fun to talk you know it's fun to talk to them it's fun to you know see what kind of it's almost a focus group um every event on who's there how many men how many women how many people different and i like that but um you know flying around a city a day for 10 days to three weeks does start yeah. to wear. I'm sure you remember, speaking of a focus group, when you came to Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego and there was a guy with a hawk on his shoulder. It wasn't a, it wasn't a falcon. It was a hawk. Yeah. And, and, and shortly after, he was, he was the president of the California Hawking Club, which is kind of the governing body for falconers all over the country. And they they actually made me an honorary member of the California Hawking Club after that. Oh, there you go. So uh, you spoke a little bit about the uh, next Joe Pickett book. So I imagine uh, – well, the last, when, when did the last Joe book come out? Was that um, – In March. Uh, March. Wolfpack. So is it going to be March next year? Yes. In fact, they've already got it. It's going to be March 3rd. Um, you can even pre-order it, and nobody's even seen yeah. it in New York yet. Perfect. Well, there you go. That's uh, a little – that's when you have some cachet. Um, <laughs> is there going to be another Cassie book next year, or is it a year after? Well, it would be a year after, but I'm actually going to let some more time go on the next one. Um, the year-and-a-half book grind has gotten to be a bit much, and I need to take a – I just need to kind of take a little rest um, before there's another one. So maybe a few years away. Cool. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I know our listeners got a lot out of this, and um, 
like I said, you're going to be on the road starting Tuesday. And was it uh, Poison Pen, your first stop in Scottsdale? Yes, it is. I'm doing a joint event with uh, T. Jefferson Parker, one of my pals and one of my fishing buddies. That's right. Uh, Jeff is universally known as a great guy. We all love him. He is. All right. Well, I appreciate it again, Joe. Uh, Joe, how about that? Chuck. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's not the first time somebody's called you Joe. No, it isn't, but it always right. makes me laugh. All right. Well, and uh, do appreciate it very much. And folks can get your book. In fact, they can even pre-order the one coming out next year. But the book is coming out Tuesday. I read it. It's a great read. Not a surprise. All the books have been. And it was really fun getting back into Cassie Duell. I really like her as a character. Me too. Thank you very much. I appreciate but, it. Thank you. Chuck. Yeah. All right. Take care. Everybody else, thanks for listening. Crime Corner will be back in two weeks. <clears throat> I think that's August 23rd when I interview former police, uh, Buffalo Police Department cold case homicide detective Lisa Marie Redman about her upcoming book, Means to an End. Also, if you're in a book club and would like to talk to an author about his work, I'd love to be that author. You can find my email address on my website, mattcoilbooks.com. And this is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks for listening.